Подача Остин! Все-таки Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone, and whether you are a first-time listener or you are a return listener, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you for downloading and taking the time to make this part of your day. And I hope whatever you are doing while you listen, I hope it makes it more enjoyable. And if it doesn't, uh, I apologize and we'll try again next time. On today's show, we're going to talk with two guests, the first being Harry Holder. You can find him on Twitter at HarryHSFC, and we'll talk with him about the Wolves match. He wrote the match report for the Saints report on the match, and so we'll talk to him all about that. And then we'll talk to Christian Candler. And if you've been listening a while, if you remember Christian Candler, I spoke with him way back uh, on the episode, either seven or eight, about the EFL Cup final. Uh, we talked that day, uh, the day of, of the final, just after it. And so it's been a while since we talked, but we have talked before and we've kind of been in contact since then. And it was a real pleasure to catch up with him and everything that's kind of gone on on with him. I'll I'll save that for the actual um, interview, but um, safe to say he does write for the Saints report. He also writes for SB Nation, uh, EIF Soccer, and also Breaking the Line. So he's got uh, lots and lots of writing out there. Not all of it on Saints FC, as you'll hear, but um, a real pleasure to kind of catch up with him there. So uh, we'll get to both of those interviews coming up shortly. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to, to Maya Yoshida. Not that he's actually listening, but um, he signed a new contract this year. He was kind of our last kind of major player, major squad player um, who who wasn't signed to at least a, a two or three year deal. Uh, he was coming up on the end of his contract and I personally didn't think he was going to sign another one. I thought he would be off at the end of this, but happy to see that he signed that. He's He's been a great steward for the club or of the club. He has kind of been one of those guys that you can just count on him to go out there and do his job um, each and every week and, and not complain. And even when I think we were getting on him as fans, even when we didn't believe in him, he still went out and did that. And sure, he makes mistakes, but I think the job that he does and the improvement that he's shown uh, over the past few months has been has been immense. And the fact that when, when Stephen Davis is not on the field, that the captain's armband rests with him, I think says a lot about, about his character. And I think at, at times like this, when we see some of the other guys that we have on the squad and the way they act and the way they act just in soccer around the world of football or soccer in general, um, I, I think he is something to be respected. So um, very happy for for him. Um, it does not necessarily mean that I think he should be our starting center back, but I do think that he is uh, an example of kind of how players should maybe conduct themselves, but not to get up on a soapbox or anything like that. This week, there's been a lot of a lot of things that have gone on. Obviously, we're out of the AFL Cup. We managed to take some points off Huddersfield. Granted, they're a newly promoted side, but they hadn't uh, dropped any points yet. And, uh, you know, we're still struggling to score. And we'll talk about all that stuff later. But um, in Houston, which is where my American football team uh, that I that I love and, and, and the Houston Astros where the baseball team that I love, um, they're obviously going undergoing, uh, some serious stress right now. So, uh, my thoughts are, are with them very much going through this time. I have friends down there. My wife used to live there, so she has friends there. And so just to kind of see and, and hear all of the, all of the stories coming out of there, I just hope that everybody is, is safe and, uh, yeah, that's that's really all that we can hope for, and I, and I, I'm not even sure what you say in in times like this. Like it is, uh, it's difficult, and I, I just hope that the people there uh, are safe and that they can, you know, kind of start their their lives over um, and deal with this in, in in the best way that they know how. And I pray that we can all kind of support them in that um, in, in whatever it is, whatever ways that we can. So, all that being said. Looking forward to to bringing you this episode. It was a, it was a lot of fun to make, a lot of fun to talk to both Harry and Christian. And uh, before we get to that, we just wanted to say thank you to everybody who reached out last week. Uh, wish me a happy birthday. I really do appreciate it. Slightly overwhelming, um, but as Chris Rand said, you know, kind of push, push your feelings down. And so that's what I'm going to do and just say thank you and I appreciate it. So let's go ahead and get to uh, the interview. We'll go to Harry first. Once again, you can find him on Twitter at Harry. HSFC, and here's my chat with him about the Wolves match. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, Harry Holder. You can find him on Twitter at Harry, H-A-R-R-Y-H-S-F-C, 
and he's writing for the Saints Report. And Harry, just thanks for joining us. Kind of last minute to fill us in on the Wolves match. Yeah, no worries. No worries. And so you you were there. Uh, you made the trip uh, down yeah. down to St. Mary's. Uh, and after last season's um, cup run, I think we were all hoping we would go deep into this and make 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 a real go of it. But obviously, we know the result at, at this point didn't quite happen. But um, since I was not able to to be there, we were and you wrote the match report for the Saints report. Was hoping that you could kind of walk us through it um, just just a little bit. Yeah, 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 sure. Now, when the lineup came out, uh, were you already in the were you in the ground at that point when the lineup came out? Did you get there early or or no? Uh, no, I got there about. 15 minutes before kickoff. When I saw the lineup, I, it, it, it looked like we were playing just a standard formation. But if, yeah. you, if you kind of looked at the personnel, I think people quickly started to figure out that that wasn't what was going to happen. wasn't yeah. what was going to happen. But when you when you realized that we were playing a back three with Bednarak, Yoshida, and Stevens, uh, what did you what did you make of that? I, I was quite surprised. Yeah, when the um, when the team sheet came out, they had uh, Stevens at CDM alongside Romeo. So I was, I was a bit miffed by that. But then to see when we were actually playing a back three, I thought, you know, let, let's see how it plays out. Obviously, Wolves aren't the strongest opposition, but then that's not going to be our first choice back three, especially with the point as who's coming, especially if we do play a back three. But I thought, you know, I think Pellegrino has used the back three before in Spain. But I remember under Koeman, when it was going wrong for him, he changed to a back three and I thought we played well with the back three then. So I thought, you know, let, let's, let's give it a game, see how it goes. But, it wasn't exactly what I was expecting, to be honest. No, and and when I, once we kind of learned about it, it, it made it made a little bit of sense to me. You think that I think there was some talk of of Stevens having played, you know, kind of CDM at, at some point, yeah, um, out, outside the first team. And I think that putting him maybe at the at the and I don't even know who's playing in the middle because I didn't get to to see the match. But you, you give him time on the ball and allow allow him to carry it forward maybe a little bit more. And you kind of yep. think maybe it offers Bednarak a little bit more protection, um, you know, coming into his first competitive match. But I, I really thought it was going to be good for McQueen and, and PA because they are traditionally midfielders. And so you yep. allow them maybe to get forward a little bit. So I thought like I, in my head, and this is, I guess what I do is I just kind of get, uh, try to make it all positive. And so I'm looking going, oh, this is going to be great. Um, but it, it really just didn't quite work out. <laughs> and I think that's an understatement, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, I was... Personally, surprised to see uh, Pierre and McQueen in the lineup. I think they're two good players. I saw Pierre at Middlesbrough at the end of last season. I thought he looked really good there. Almost, you know, say Cedric were to leave this summer, which he won't now, but say he was, I think he would be give him a little bit of time and a good replacement. And McQueen, I think he's done well wherever he's come in. But um, yeah, as part of playing as a back three or a back five, yeah, they have that little bit more freedom to go forward, which. You know, I think sometimes I feel like maybe Bertrand and Cedric would, they would benefit from that with their crossing abilities. Say they were to stay forward and help the attack more. Yeah. And, and seeing as how we're kind of, you know, we've been searching for the answer for goals for some time. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that helps. But also when you kind of think about it, we've been able to, even if we do manage to get crosses in the box, there, there has to be people in there. So that, that doesn't solve that issue. But you know, obviously Wolves are from the championship. They're not playing terribly down there. They're playing pretty well. But yeah. I, I guess what stood out to you in the first half uh, with them being able to kind of just carve us open? I thought they were set up very, very attacking. You know, they had a big new Adiko up front. And the, um, he did cause a lot of tro- uh, trouble for us, especially in the first few minutes. He had quite a, quite a few good chances actually to score, but he couldn't take any of them, unfortunately. But no, he was causing problems. And I think, obviously, I don't think with our players not really knowing the formation that well, and especially as it's, uh, that was the first competitive match or the first match under Pellegrino we used it in. I think, obviously, yeah, there are going to be issues with them finding out about the formation. But looking at the side that we played, I was uh, certainly expecting a bit of a weaker side. So given the players that we had out on the pitch, I don't think there really should have been any excuses. But I think, you know, they just set off on the front really well that did catch us out prize a little bit yeah i mean you, you kind of hope that you have a team full of premier league talent that you just kind of can go tell them go play football and they'll take care of the side that's not as good but but it didn't quite yeah. quite work that way um going forward in the game did we create any chances uh that we were just unable to take or how was how was how did the offense look in that formation um it was very much wing based because they uh wolves See, they had two centre-backs and they had a very tall CDM as well. So they were 
they had lots of height and strength in the middle. So we had to try and play down the wings. And I thought we were creating well. And again, it was just a case of we can get the ball into the box, but there's no one there to take the opportunities. Like a couple of, uh, one CFL to Tadic, I think he was probably about eight or 10 yards out. And he just blazed over the bar. And then a similar one with Cade, where I had the chance it fell to him completely unmarked, but he just wasn't being able to take it. So whether that's an issue with shooting or whether it's just the individual player's composure and the uh, right opportunities falling to the wrong players, I don't know. As the game went on, what were the how were, how were the fans reacting to us kind of not being on top necessarily and not scoring and eventually going behind? Um, frustration. Yeah, I think everyone when when this tie was drawn, they would have thought that's good. It's an easy home tie. Well, it should be easy given the players, given the squad that we've got. But then we're expecting some sort of performance and some sort of good attacking play because, you know, it is a cup match. There are no second chances in the cup. You want to go out and win it. So, yeah, frustration and it was a little bit, a little bit of groaning, a little bit of booing. But it was a bit of, bit of a throwback to um, last season, to be honest, with the sort of atmosphere, not much going on, everyone feeling a little bit down, to be honest. Now, was that frustration? Was it more? I guess was it was it directed at at the manager, or was it directed more at the players that were on the field? I think um, around where we were saying it was definitely more the players on the field because you know I think this time around people are giving Pellegrino a chance because you know he's come in, he's very charismatic, he's sort of even within preseason, you know, won the hearts of quite a lot, of, if not all, or definitely the majority of our fans. So you know, I think we're prepared to give him time. But not yet. It seems to be the same, the same sort of problems that we were having last season. And you think, well, if it's the same problems, but it's a different manager, then surely that comes down to the players. And that's why I think there was uh, all of the frustration was just directed at the players. All right. And then towards the end of the match, when they they put the second one away, at that point, did did the kind of morale around the stadium just kind of sink? even more or were people at that point just like well it's over or, or how did people react when that happened oh well so there weren't actually that many people there to be honest i can't really see tenders being uh over about twelve thousand or fifteen thousand. but no as usual you know you're one nil down and then you can see another later on it just starts to empty and there are just mm-hmm. drones people get up and leave you know it was real real sense of we've given up why why should we stay until the end you're not gonna compete on the pitch yeah and i mean i don't want to make excuses for people but midweek game early in the cup it's obviously we're yeah. not going out. yeah so you kind of yeah you get it um any any particular player on on the southampton squad stand out to you as having a particularly good game even though uh you know obviously we didn't go through um i i did think um sam mcqueen he actually really impressed me you know with his forward runs but playing wing back he wasn't def- uh tested defensively that much but I suppose he wasn't going to be anyway against Wolves. Uh, def- definitely not to the standard that we'd want to be having him tested against. But um, yeah, he impressed me. I thought Sofiane Buffal was uh, he was linking up with McQueen down the uh, left wing in the first half very well. He impressed me in the uh, first half, but then in the second half, he he couldn't even seem to get one pass right. Yeah, and that that is that is seems to be the the kind of way he goes. It's either it's 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 yeah. all show and, and it's fantastic, or he's kind of just falling apart and can't seem to do the basic things. Which I think is probably yeah. the reason we haven't seen more of him. But hopefully he can kind of yeah. rectify that. Um, I, I mean, I guess do you think this hurts more since we made it to the final last year and now we're out in the first round? Do you think people were kind of expecting us to go deeper in it this year? Yeah, I do. To be honest, I think. You know, it's it's the uh, League Cup. It's definitely not the same as the FA Cup. I think it's it's got a little bit of a special place in Saints fans' hearts, especially after our cup run last year and we got to the final and played so well and we were unlucky not to win it. So I think everyone was disappointed with the result and especially, you know, Pellegrino said before the game, I think he said about how he wants to have a good run in the cup. He wants to put on a good performance to the fans and I think everyone was just feeling a little bit let down by the side to be honest yeah yeah I, I, I can feel that i remember looking at the at the score and just going like well that's you know that that's over and and i, yeah. I guess we have to wait for the for the fa cup in hopes that we can uh yeah get back to wembley and not just when we go play spurs so any any final thoughts from you on, on that match or you feel like we kind of covered it 
Um, just think, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise, you know. These are cup matches. They do, if you do go on a cup run, they take up a lot of midweeks. And, you know, now that we've got those midweeks, we can have more time to focus on the next games, more time to rest. So, you know, maybe, just maybe we could see uh, a good run in the league, for example, and then have a real push for European season this, this season. So, you know, could be a blessing in disguise. And I really hope it is. Yeah. Um, well, I, I appreciate you you joining the show, and uh, hopefully we'll get you on for a full episode down the line. All right. Thank you. And once again, that was my conversation with Harry Holder. You can find him on Twitter at Harry HSFC. He writes for the Saints Report, and I'd like to thank him again for joining us. I'd like to apologize also if you heard uh, maybe a dog collar in the background of that interview. The dog was running around the house. Um, he was awake. Everybody was awake. We usually record super early in the morning. We record it kind of mid-afternoon, and uh, the, the dog was up kind of moving around. And also, my wife went to the grocery store and then came home and was putting dishes, or not dishes, but groceries away. Um, so if you heard some some bags or something in the background, that's what it was. I apologize. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a dad and a husband and all those other things, too. And sometimes the podcast is not the most important thing uh, in my life, but that, that's okay. I do still enjoy it. And I hope you did too. Hope it did track uh, from what Harry had to say. So uh, we're going to jump straight into the uh, interview now with Christian Candler. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Candler. And before we do that, just like to give a quick shout out to the We Are Southampton page on Instagram and remind you that for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a supporter of the show. He's done the logo for the show. He's been a guest on the show. So uh, special thanks to him. And uh, be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. The link to that is in the show notes. And um, speaking of my conversation with Candler, um, he basically recorded this inside of a bird sanctuary. So you will hear the sounds of nature all around you as, as we do this. Um, I think, I think it adds a little bit to, to the conversation, um, frames it nicely. And it also sounds, uh, like he could have been sitting next to a sprinkler. Um, so if you hear that, you know, whatever, but this is just an episode of, um, ambient noise, in the background. And I don't think it detracts too much, but I hope you enjoy it. And maybe if I wouldn't have said anything, nobody would have noticed, but I noticed and I, th- I kept thinking about it. So I have to say something. Um, but that, you know, there's really nothing we can do. And it's, it's much, much less kind of annoying than if it was just like a constant humming of like a fan or something, or if it was like, you know, he was basically seated next to a drag racing track or, or, you know, maybe like, I don't know, a train horn, all the things that could be more annoying, a barking dog, uh, all more annoying than uh, you know the sound of sweet, sweet birds making music in the morning sunshine. All right, let's go ahead and go to Christian now before I embarrass myself even more. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Christian Candler. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Candler. And he's a featured writer for SB Nation, uh, The Saints Report, EIF soccer and uh, breaking the lines. So Christian, welcome to the podcast again. Hey Matt, it's, it's good to be back. I'm yeah. happy to be here. So last time, last time we talked, it was uh, just after the EFL Cup final. We had like a a two part recording session. I was in a hotel room. It was a whole thing. <laughs> you remember that? Oh yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> uh, Seems like so long ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's like uh, I mean, it's over twenty episodes ago, so over twenty weeks ago. So yeah, yeah. But uh, good, to, good to chat with you again, and and we've been, of course, uh, you know, chatting back and forth on on Twitter and things like that. But it seems like you've been busy writing and and school and all that stuff. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I've just changed so much since the last episode. Like my whole outlook on almost life, and so it's it's been it's been a good little journey since the last episode. And you were busy writing over the summer, even though it wasn't necessarily about saints. You've been writing for uh, a couple other outlets. And the main outlet you're writing about Saints with would be the Saints Report. And if people haven't checked that out, they can find that at the Saints Report on Twitter. Um, but you've been writing for, like we said, several other outlets. And recently you had an article come out called Jogo Bonito, uh, Unity Through Sport. And I've read through it a couple of times. You want to tell tell the listeners a little bit about that and maybe just in case they haven't seen it? Yeah. So that article basically just came out a lot of a almost frustration and just passionate the divisiveness of the world it was kind of more philosophical than anything else but it's just sports really unite people when other things can't and so it's just sort of a call to people 
that still can be that unity because it's come up a lot, especially like here in the States with the Charlottesville stuff. And like LeBron James and these American athletes have come out and talked about talked about it. So like I just talked about it through a soccer football perspective um, and just just how beautiful that that can be. And it has been in our world. And I mean, here in the United States, usually baseball, you know, in, in our history would take that kind of role, I guess. Yeah. But like you pointed out in your article throughout the rest of the world, it's, it's been, it's been football or soccer. And so, um, I don't know. I thought you had a, as a history teacher, you had lots and lots of examples that I will be sure to use in class about, uh, people kind of coming together and setting aside differences and, and focusing on, on something other than, you know, political allegiances or, or things like that. So, um, I would think that an article like that would be maybe difficult to, uh, to write and, and put out there is just because it, people are so, so divided right now and, and, and things are going on like that. So, uh, I don't know. I appreciate you, you putting that out there. Yeah. Thanks. It was, it was definitely like, I looked back on it and I thought it was, I, th- I thought it needed to be said. And I, just as a, as a question, I don't know if you can answer this, but like, did EIF give you any, were they very supportive of that or did they, were they kind of like, are you sure you want to put this out? I mean, they gave me some support. I I didn't give them any heads up that the article was really coming. I was just like, hey, I wrote this. Check it out. And then they looked at it and said it was cool. And then they put it up the, the next day. Nice. And you've been, I mean, you had quite a summer in terms of, of reporting. And, and I think we, we stated last time, you, you know, you're you're doing this kind of as a hobby and as because you love the sport and you love, it's, it's a kind of a way to get some creative stuff out there. But you had, I don't know, I mean, you got to be kind of a behind the scenes reporter at the U S men's national team game, right? Match. You got to meet the squad and, and interview and all that stuff. Yeah. So like last time when we were talking, it definitely was just a hobby more than anything else, but now it's almost turned into my career outlook. I've kind of embraced it. Um, but this summer I definitely, I did get to talk to the, um, United States men's national team, got to interview a few of their players, um, which was just, it was such an amazing experience to, do that and be, be a part of that world. And that was definitely a big moment for me in terms of this reporting and journalism. Um, but that was just amazing. And that, that was through EIF again and definitely give credit to them. Like thanks to them for giving me that opportunity. Well, I'd also like to thank your old boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that, that came after I got to interview the national team players and I was talking about it at work and he just sort of came up to me and he's like, no one's going to remember you from that path. Like this, this hop, hobby isn't going to turn into anything. Um, like it's, it's my job to crush, crush your dreams. <laughs> like he, he said that word for word. And then like, once he said that, I was like, okay, it's definitely, I'm not going to be here anymore. <laughs> well, and where, weren't you, I mean, you were at home as like a summer job, right? Or were you still at, at school? I mean, I live in Nashville now. So it was like during summer break, I had worked there since about March. And are you still there? No, <laughs> no, I I quit there, and I'm um, I'm currently unemployed, but school's back in session. Yeah, focus um, focus on that. It's, it's yeah. worth it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we have you know lots to talk about in terms of of the squad and stuff, but you know we had the midweek match against Wolves. Obviously, we're out of the EFL Cup. Uh, we covered that with Harry a little bit earlier, but we had the Huddersfield match, uh, our first kind of away day of the of the season, and we also have the kind of the announcement of the of the international squads. We can see, t- kind of talk about who uh, who from our squad is going out. So uh, as long as you're okay with that stuff, I say we we move on, and we'll take some listener questions and talk about the the transfer window kind of at the end. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so let, let's just start with uh, we're, we're now officially on the international break. Well, I guess after by the time you're listening to this, we'll be on the international break. But you know, still a few more Premier League matches to go as we're recording. But in terms of our squad, who who gets who gets to go? Um, I think if you go down the list, you know, Gabadini's going to Italy, Burchins with England, Davis Ireland, uh, Tadic, Cedric, Yoshida, Bednarak, Poland, and I think the big note there is that he's not with the under 21s or the under 23s, whatever it is. Um, he's with the full the senior team. And then Shane Long, Hoyt, and uh, Jake Vokens goes with the England under 18s. I think the, the biggest kind of thing that jumps out to me, at least, is that uh, no James Ward Prowse, no Redmond, and no Forrester on the on that list. Yeah, I mean, there's no real surprises from from our list except for uh, Prowse and Forrester. And I, I can get Forrester. Uh, his performances have definitely been really shaky in Pickford, and I think Butlin got called up too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think they're more deserving of it right now. And hopefully that is sort of a motivation for Forrester to be like, all right, let's buckle down and get more focused. Yeah. I think that, and I hate to say this, but we go going back to the injury. He just hasn't been the same since then. And he's had flashes of being great. And yesterday, even he put his body on the line a few times. Uh, there was like a, a kind of cross that was swung in and he just kind of kind of just laid his body out and to, I think took a kick from the, uh, from the forward kind of coming in and, yeah. and blocked it. But then you look at the the cross that came in that he should have easily either been able to punch way out of the area or catch. And he just kind of, you know, spills it and he manages to make the save afterwards. But um, yeah. that it was kind of, that's kind of emblematic of what he's done. He, he's, he's, he's kind of not done the simple things and he goes one week kind of coming out and claiming crosses and punching them away and really commanding the area. And then one week where he, re, he just doesn't move. And, um, Last year, I was hoping that he was going to take that England number one shirt, and he just doesn't look like he's going to do that right now. But I, I don't know. When you look at guys like maybe Tadich, for instance, uh, the job that he's done, people have been on him the second half of last year, myself included, and early this year, um, and he still goes to Serbia. Are, are there is there anybody else on our squad that you hope really can kind of turn things around while they're on international duty and kind of like you know really really come back and, and have more of an impact for us? Well, I do. I do sort of hope Tadic. Tadic consistently performs for Serbia. Like he usually does very well, gets stuck in, and usually he comes back from that international break pretty strong. And so hopefully he just gets that confidence again while on international break. Um, I think Bednarek will be interesting to watch since he just got called up to the senior squad for Poland. Like what that means for him in the future. Like say he does do very well for Poland if he gets that opportunity. Um, if he comes back into the squad and gets gets a chance. And then I really just. I, I want Shane Long to do well for Ireland and to get back into the into the swing of things like like we've seen for him before, but I just don't know if he if he can do that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, and and, I, and you kind of look at like you know how Ireland play, and and they don't play the same way we do. You know, uh, they right. don't they don't tend to play the same style, and I think sometimes a, a player of Shane Long's kind of build or whatever he he's going to require a certain type of football and i thought yesterday when he came on he he played very very well I, and we'll talk about it later but he did some things that i, w- I wasn't sure he's gonna be able to do and i was i was pretty happy with that um we i did miss one kind of glaring uh person missing from this list for the international duty is is virgil van dyke but obviously um, yeah the dutch coach came out and said well if he's not playing for his club why would he play for us and i think that's a you know you gotta you gotta get in the squad somehow buddy like <laughs> so. yeah it's definitely it's it's definitely the strangest circumstance I think we've had as Southampton in, in a long time in terms of the transfer and like what to do. And it's just, it's so touchy and it, there's so many like unknowns about what to do with Virgil van Dyke. Um, but I think this is definitely going to frustrate Virgil. Um, and we'll see what that happens. Cause hood hoot. Um, I feel like I should know how to pronounce that name because he got called up. And so, you know, he's, in the locker room right now um with the rest of the team and virgil's probably looking over at him from the u23s like he got to go but i didn't and that's that's probably i don't know that might do something all right i'm looking up how to say this again wesley i'm not good at that <laughs> wesley hoot hoot okay I, i'm gonna screw it up anyway um yeah, I am too. god bless the internet and i've listened to that you know hundred times but i still can't i still can't manage to get it so um, i feel like it i feel like it shouldn't be that hard of a name to pronounce either like like you hear it and you're like oh that's not too bad and then you try to pronounce it and it just doesn't work no no um whatever um yeah so i think you know hopefully international duty goes well for for everybody hopefully i you know i always just hope people come back healthy um hopefully kind of tadash can get into a, a kind of a groove and um i do kind of worry about about Steven Davis just because he is getting up there and he runs himself into the ground each and every game. And if they go play, you know, two or three matches, two matches and, and do that, you know, I kind of want him to rest. I hope he, you know, just considers that, but he, I think he's just going to play until it, the wheels fall off. Cause that seems like the kind of guy he is. So I can't really fault him for that. Yeah. But looking at yesterday, looking, looking at the Huddersfield match, the lineup that we had, the uh, same as the starting lineup, I believe that we had uh, week two against West Ham. Did that surprise you at all? It did surprise me a little bit. I'm not. I'm not surprised that Wesley didn't start. Stevens and Yoshida have been pretty much mainstays there since Font left and Van Dyke got injured. So like they're fine being there. They both look 
solid. I'm kind of surprised that someone didn't start instead of Tadic. Uh, just because Tadic has looked so off of it at the beginning of this season. I don't know what Pellegrino has against Buffal, but he hasn't been playing like much at all at the beginning of this season. No, he's been largely left out. But, you know, Buffal didn't really get a whole lot of run- game time last year either. And we're kind of looking at the at the second manager at Southampton to kind of leave him out a little bit. And so you start to wonder like what he shows in training, if he's getting the things done that he needs to get done and, and kind of what's going on behind the scenes that we don't, we don't see, but I don't know. I think to be honest, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I can't really fault the manager too much for how we, how we set the team up. Yeah. Um, you kind of just hope that the guys can go out and do it. And, uh, and, and I mean, for large parts of the day they did, they, they played okay, especially defensively, but we got to fix whatever's going on uh, up top. But I guess we can safely say that the performance we had yesterday much better than performance we had midweek. So just be yeah. happy, I guess, with that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, and the, because of the midweek performances, that's why I wasn't really surprised that Ward Prowse didn't start. Um, just because apparently he did one of his worst games ever against Wolves. Yeah, yeah. And and we have to say that, uh, you know, n- neither you or I, it wasn't televised here in the U.S. And it's midday and everybody's, you know, I'm at work, you're at school. The Early round cup games, not not easy to watch. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess if we kind of go through the events of yesterday, just kind of the first half, uh, Huddersfield kind of started pretty lively. They looked like they were definitely definitely up for it in terms of of coming in, and you know they were coming off. They I don't think they conceded a goal yet. They had won their two their previous two matches, and so you know Redmond had that chance kind of early on. He got in behind the defense and uh, put that ball kind of across the goal and I think he was shooting he wasn't trying to get it to Gabbiadini but he missed right. I think that was like our our definitely our clearest chance of the first half but then I thought for large parts of uh, of that half that that we were basically just defending is that kind of what you what you saw when you were watching it yeah that redmond chance turned out to be way more crucial than um than I thought it would be uh, just cuz when you, that was our only real chance in the first half and if he had scored that who knows how the rest of the game would have gone. Um, he definitely should have should have scored, and I feel like we can say that for a lot of Southampton players. But um, he he definitely should have scored. And then the rest of the half, we could not break down the Huddersfield press, and they are very organized. But we should have. I don't know. I feel like we have the technical players to be able to pass through them or break them down in some sort of way, and we just couldn't. And there were several instances, I think, in the second half, mostly, that you could see Steven's frustration with Yoshida because Yoshida played himself into trouble a, a few times with that press and just unable to to make that that pass that he needs or even just just clear it, you know, just get it out of the area and, and get it out yeah. of the, kind of the danger zone. So, and it seemed like a couple of times where we, if we got down into the offensive end, they were quickly coming back the other way on on a break, and we had to have a couple. We had a couple of times where you know, Davis made a block. Um, Yoshida put his body out there too. So, um, the more I watched it, the more I felt like it was the opposite of the Swansea match where we were the ones Huddersfield are just creating chances and putting balls in the box and, and we're just trying to defend and they can't get it in the goal. So it, I don't know. It was, it was worrisome. I was anxious watching yeah. the first half in the first half in the beginning of the second half, we weren't moving a lot when we had the ball, we were very stagnant. And whenever we would bring the ball up and get close to the halfway line, there's always a Huddersfield player like right there ready to make the challenge and close that space. And we, our players weren't moving off the ball very much. And then in the second half, after the second half wore on, then we saw players start to move more when James Ward Prowse and Long did come in. We saw a lot more movement off the ball, and that's what opened up the, the space. And so we just weren't moving enough in the first half. And would that have been something that the manager probably notices and, and makes a note of at, at halftime to kind of make that change? Yeah, I th- there are lots of people getting on Pellegrino already, and I don't I don't think we should be on Pellegrino's back already yet. The squad, it's still Pellegrino's still trying to change that mentality that Puel brought in, and Puel was very stagnant. Um, I think a lot of our players are low on confidence, and that's really the big thing and we just need our players to get that confidence and intensity back yeah yeah I, I i can understand that and i thought some positives from the first half i thought lamina played pretty well 
Yeah, um, he he's looking like a he's going to be a good buy. And just when you watch him run, he has I mean, he just has like the most giant ass of any like footballer <laughs> I've ever seen. Um which I can appreciate because I can't like wear pants because my legs kind of just like, I just blow the legs out of them, which is, and so when I see somebody else with a similar problem, it makes me happy. Um, yeah. but I, I thought we looked fairly physical. I thought we looked kind of, you know, sometimes I worry about guys, uh, especially like Buffal, but he wasn't, he wasn't in there, but I worry about guys kind of getting muscled off the ball or things like that. But we look like we were ready to just kind of go to war and, and, I, and I'm, I'm for that. But Gabby Dini kind of disappeared for large portions of, of the first half. He was, uh, largely absent and and I didn't think I also didn't think we pressed very well um in yeah. the first half. I thought that uh the couple of times that I saw Gabby Dini go forward to press the goalkeeper or a center back, he was going alone and then guys were arriving late and then when guys arrive late then it just leaves giant holes for the opposition to pass through and then and then and then we're outnumbered at the other end. So um I thought that you know normally we're pretty good with that stuff and the fact that we w- didn't do it that well uh worried me. And I was actually uh, fairly um, surprised to see that the possession stats and things like that were fairly even at halftime. Uh, We actually had slightly more possession, but the attempts are not anywhere close. You know, we only had two attempts in the first half, none of them on target. Huddersfield had nine attempts with five of them on target. So that is that that to me is, is slightly worrisome. Yeah, that is the most telling thing. I think a lot of our possession was in the in the back between like a. Yoshida Stevens and just trying to give it up to the to the forwards and so Gabby Adini I don't think he got he got a lot of uh he didn't get a lot of service um like the ball just wasn't going up there to him he might have been making the runs but the passes just didn't come into him and so I think it it does kind of go both ways like he could have done a little bit more to get into the game but I don't think he was getting the service that he needed to to put his influence on the match Right. Because he's just kind of up there by himself waiting for the ball to get up to him so he can do something. And it just never came. Yeah. I mean, because we, we mentioned before that he is isolated largely yeah. uh, in, in the system. And that that's something that hasn't changed from last year. But I, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that when, when you when you constantly worry about, uh, you know, conceding goals at the other end. So I, I don't know. And I think we've seen a couple system changes under Powell last year and then kind of reverting back to the four, two, three, one this year, but it hasn't, hasn't really, I'd say fixed the issue. The start of the second half though, I thought we came up with a lot more energy. I thought we, whatever happened in the locker room was, was worked because I thought we came out and we're kind of taking it to them and whether it's Huddersfield tiring or us just kind of having to, having a better outlook on, on what we needed to do. Um, yeah. I was, I was actually really happy. Steven's got in some sort of wrestling match down, with I don't know who it was, but it, when that happened, I was like, I, I kind of like to see that. He looked a little fiery yesterday. And he looked like he was, like I said earlier, willing to to kind of, I don't know, be more physical. And he that's he's a guy that I that wasn't very physical last year, and I think he's kind of growing into that that role yeah. and not being willing or being more willing to to do that. So yeah, we're starting to see the signs of this intensity come back into the Southampton squad, and I think Pellegrino is bringing that back. In, into our into our players and we're just starting to see the the signs of that and hopefully we just keep progressing in that manner kind of looking towards the end of the match as we started to make some subs Lamina came off for long in the 64th minute and when that happens that means everybody kind of switches positions and we saw something similar last week when I think he made a either the exact same substitution or a similar substitution and then Gabbiadini offered James Ward-Prowse. And when that happened, that left Long as the central striker. And at that point, I was I was thinking we're not going to score. Which... Yeah, when the um, when the subs were made, I was definitely in the in the large group of people that was like, "What in the world are these substitutions?" Um, we're back with Claude Puel just making crazy subs. Um, but then the subs turned out to actually influence the game in a positive way. But I wish that. Gabby Adini had almost stayed on. I feel like, I feel like Tadish could have come off. He could have come off earlier instead of Gabby Adini. Okay. And we should have had like Gabby Adini and Long up there, just because I don't think Long is good in the Premier League when he's isolated by himself. But he did pretty well. Yeah, and it was kind of weird. Almost like I don't know. I always think Long is going to be the guy that's going to be work best on the counterattack when we're going to sit deep and kind of defend and hope to just break away and and create a couple of chances. Um, but yesterday it looked like we almost had like a, almost like a front four 
as the game went on. And, and Gabby Dini and James Ward-Prowse and McQueen were kind of up top. Redmond was kind of floating in behind it. It seemed like they were very fluid, like they were all kind of moving around. And we, and we definitely had at least half chances come out of that. I thought that was that was really, really well played. Um, and But I, when the substitutions were happening individually, it was kind of like, what, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. And then kind of as you kind of looked at, for me, at least when I lo- was looking at what the product was, I was like, oh, that, you know, this actually kind of does make sense. And, yeah. you know, you have to give, I think, Pellegrino a little bit of credit. Like he's not making the same substitutions as as Puel was last year and hoping that something's going to change. You know, he was, I think, looking at the game and saying, this is what the game needs. This is what we can do. And, and I mean, it almost worked. I mean, we had we had several chances there at the end. You know, we had the non-penalty call with, with uh, Ward-Prowse. We had Bertrand almost sneak that header in with a kind of a nice cross from Long, which doesn't happen ever. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you ha- and Long also found Ward-Prowse for that, that non-penalty call. So I thought, I thought overall yeah. it, it wasn't bad. But looking kind of back on the game, do you see any, if you just looked at the defense and say like, you know, how did they play? Would you say they, they played adequately? Do you, do you think they need to improve? Um, or what do you think about the defense? I think they did pretty good. Um, I think this is the worst time to play Huddersfield. You know, they're on such a high. They just got into the, to the Premier League. They're super high on confidence. Um, the atmosphere is behind them. They're feeling really good. And so... Just with their press, it was always going to be a little tough for our defenders. And to not concede against them was pretty solid from them. Um, I think they, they did well in that um, in that manner. They did what was asked of them. And then what about uh, our midfielders? How did you think they performed? Um, for the midfielders, I think they could have done a little bit better just controlling it. I feel like if we had been able to hold more possession in the midfield, especially in the first half, we could have had a lot more, could have had a lot more influence on the game positively from from our standpoint. They just weren't that link between attack and defense very much in the first half. But once James Ward Prowse came in, they looked much more uh, fluid and strong connecting the two. All right, and then uh, lastly, the attack. Um, I think the place everybody thinks we need to to improve the most. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we just need to find a way to score. <laughs> um, we just really need to find a way to score. And that's where I go back to the mentality that was instilled in us under under Powell that was very pragmatic and very low on confidence. Like our players just don't have that confidence. And that's going to be Pellegrino's biggest task is to change that confidence again. Um, and I think he, he will and, and can, you know. Um, Ward, Ward Prowse in an interview after the game, he was – talking to an interviewer about the not scoring goals and even Ward Prowse was just like we have the quality like we're gonna score goals we just need to get that we just need to take our chances and get that confidence in front of goal again and I think that just needs to come back and I hope very soon yeah seriously seriously you know somebody was asking me yesterday I was I was frustrated after the match a little bit um with us not being able to score and they said, like, what, like, how bad is it? And I said, like, if my daughter was going on a date, I would make the guy wear a Saints kit because there's no way he's going to score. Um, <laughs> that's the level that it's at. You know, it, it, it is frustrating. Um, but hopefully, hopefully international break will kind of, uh, you know, get that. You know, people will get that right, you know, and it looks like we have a lot of our attacking players are going out. So hopefully they, they do that. Um, looking back, full match stats. We dominate a possession for the most part. Or I had more possession, I should say. But then the shots. I mean, 16 shots for them, six shots for us. That's just not, that's not enough. You know, that's not good enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree too. I think Huddersfield was always going to have a lot of, a lot of shots just from how they press. Um, Just like looking, thinking back to the game, I don't think they had a lot of clear cut shots. Um, Like they might've had the 16 shots, but None of them, I don't remember being terrified of them scoring except for just a couple of them. Yeah, and a lot of them were situations where the ball was crossed in and not fully cleared or kind of held in, you know, and yeah. then and then the second cross came in and that's what created uh, an opportunity. But it was not like a, you know, well-placed cross onto the head of somebody that Forrester has to make a great save. It's just kind of put into an area around the edge of the six-yard box that we just had to deal with. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, do, I, do, I do understand that. 
Um, and some, and oftentimes that those stats and stuff can be deceiving and I'm not looking at kind of where those shots came from or anything like that. But I mean, moving on from that, we have kind of the end of the transfer window coming. Yeah. Um, and I can say that, that it's the most difficult thing for me to talk about because it just always seems like it's all speculation. Yeah. Um, especially because Southampton keep things so quiet. So <laughs> yeah. There were lots of talks or lots of comments yesterday on, on Bertrand's looks and attitude during the match. Um, did, did you make anything of that? And I know he, I mean, I just don't think Ryan Bertrand looks very happy most of the time. You know, what did you make of, if anything of, of that? I'm, I'm, I know I'm in the minority of this apparently, but I don't think, I don't think Bertrand is that unhappy. I think he's just very, like he's always been on the quiet side. Like he's not let the emotions get the best of him usually um i didn't i i saw some comments saying that he he doesn't he looks like he doesn't care and i didn't get that maybe it was just me um but i think just the whole squad is pretty low on confidence right now and i think that's people are just kind of making that connection um because bertrand's performance is just they have been down a little bit but i don't think he doesn't care you know yeah yeah i mean it's difficult i think maybe we're conditioned to read into the body language because that's what we do. I mean, we're sitting here analyzing everything probably more so than some of the other players are even, you know? Yeah. Um, but because I think that's what, I mean, we're not playing the game, we're not training and it's kind of our, sometimes just being a fan is our escape. So if we can just concentrate on that, it, it allows us to kind of, you know, not worry about some other things, but yeah. um, let's just go through, I'll, I have a list of, of some players here. Um, I'll ask, I'll, I'll, I'll say the name and then you tell me if you think they're going to be at Southampton on September or at the end of the transfer window. Okay, let's do it. All right. So first one, um, Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, Pellegrino is definitely working on bringing him in. It's that Spanish league connection. Um, they had definitely have that. <laughs> uh, I just want to give you an easy one to start with. Uh, next one, Bertrand, uh, Bertrand. Yes. He'll definitely be here on the, on the, um, on September 1st. All right, other other fullback for us, Cedric. Yeah, Cedric will definitely be here. I, Cedric really loves Southampton. You can kind of tell that he does. Um, I think he'll he'll definitely be here. Um, and then late yesterday, there was some talk of whether or not Virgil Van Dyke fired his kind of agent or agency or agent, whatever it is. Um, do, do we know if that turned out to be true or not? It turned out to be false. He d- he did not fire his agent. Okay, I saw that this morning. All right, and do you think he will be at Southampton? That's <laughs> that's definitely the hardest one you could ask me. Um, I think he will. Um, just the the stand of our board that Ralph Kruger has come out and said, like Virgil's not for sale. Pellegrino has come out and said he's not for sale. He's going to be here on the first of September. Um, and Leslie said he's not for sale. And so I just I am trusting them right now. You know, um, I don't expect them to change their stance at all. And if they do change their stance, it will be like full scale riots um, on the on on the internet, at least from Southampton fans. Yeah, on the on the Twitter timeline, it will be a real a real disaster. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Theo Walcott. Um, I do think we need to get an attacking player um, just to just to help out, but I don't think Walcott will be here on the first um i think his at this point his wages are too high and i don't expect southampton to really go in for him and, and i should say that these are just i'm just throwing out names that i've heard you know i don't care if it's one person say it i'm, I'm just asking yeah um alex oxlade chamberlain uh no i don't think he'll come here i wish he would i really like him but i i wish more than anything else on that one <laughs> I think for both of those guys too, the Arsenal's wage structure is such that they are having real trouble moving fringe players on because guys in their are in their final year of their contract and kind of you know why would they go? They're not playing right, but yeah. some of them are going to be fringe players no matter where they go. So why would they go somewhere and and work harder, you know, and and make less money? That doesn't uh, just in in life. That's not really how what people do. And you hope that of course they want to go on and and actually play and stuff like that, but. Yeah, Oxley Chamberlain for the most part said has said he wants to play in the in the, in the middle and their central of midfield. Um, he's not getting that opportunity there. 
Uh, yeah. I don't think he's going to get that opportunity with us either. Um, and Theo, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really think he's going to take the, the big wage cut and, and, and move back. So, yeah. Um, but uh, now another one of our players, Shane Long. Um, from just what I've heard, I don't think he'll be a Southampton player on, um, on the 1st of September. And I think that all hinges on if we bring someone else in. If we bring another attacking player in, that sort of fills that Jay Rodriguez or Shane Long role where they can really play anywhere up top. Um, I, I see Shane Long going to Burnley, um, but it all does hinge on if we do bring someone in. Okay. Uh, and I've also seen links, at least uh, recently, Crystal Palace, uh, Newcastle, and Brighton all possibly oh, um, being interested in, in Long. Um, what about uh, Mikel Antonio? Ooh. Um, if we... Like, I, I, it's one of those things, like, if it all sort of hinges on, on Shane Long, if he, if he goes, if I could see him being that attacking player that we do bring in, like, he seems like the type of player that can play anywhere up top that can sort of fill that role. And I, I like him. I think he'd be a good player for us. So do you think he's coming? (laughs) Oh, I hate the speculation. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with no, just cause the transfer window, I feel like has let me down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I can't think that he would be at all, you know, cheap. Uh, I, I, obviously I, I don't, I haven't checked him out, uh, in terms of what his value and where he's at in his contract, but, uh, I yeah. can't believe he would be, uh, yeah, he's, he's English. So that brings his price tag up. Um, and it's a premier league club to a premier league club, which means it's automatically inflated even more. Yeah. Well, uh, if, if we could sell, Jose Font to West Ham, maybe they can just give us Antonio. Yeah, yeah. Although that really hasn't worked out for, for them. <laughs> um, but hey, maybe maybe they get rid of Slavin Bilic and then and then you know the new guy comes in and says I don't want Antonio, which I think would be ridiculous. But hey, West Ham is just not in a good spot right now. They have not begun the season well at all, and so maybe maybe Antonio will, will want out. Yeah, well, maybe by by January they'll be relegated and then they'll have to offload <laughs> some people. Yeah. Um, and and lastly, Felipe Anderson. Ooh. Um, he's, I don't know much about Felipe Anderson. I can't say that I watched him, but I've heard he's super talented. Um, I don't see him coming though. No, I don't, I don't either. I just saw yeah. somebody hoping. So that's, that's yeah. all right. So, I mean, for the most part, we're, we're not moving a, a whole lot of players, which is kind of what the board has said. Um, yeah. and, and although I would love to say like, yes, we're bringing this guy in and yes, you know, this guy can go or whatever. I just, you know, I don't, I don't. I don't really see it. So we'll have to stick around and see if Shane Long uh, does move on. It seems like he's drawing some interest and um, I don't know. I, I think I don't, I'm not sure we can get rid of him, especially with Gallagher going out on loan, you know, and only play with, with the two up top. I don't know if that's going to work out for yeah. us, but we shall see. Um, we have some listener questions. We can go ahead and take some of those. Um, I'd like to thank Danny Gregg for being the second person in two weeks to ask me why I use the comic sans font. Um, Cheers to you. Um, but uh, Jay, who's at FFSJAAY, says, if the decision was down to you, would you sell Virgil van Dyke in the final week of the window? There's so much that goes in, into play. You have to think about like the, the toxicity of the dressing room. If he does come back, you have to think about the mentality that he'll bring in. You have to think about the fan reaction if you do sell him. And I think it is a, it's a big decision for the board. Um, I would I would not sell Virgil Van Dyke in the final week of the transfer window. It would be big for Southampton if we actually put our foot down and was like, no, we're not selling players like we used to. I think I think it's it would say a lot if we actually did put our foot down for once, and I think it would give a lot of um, it'd give a lot of confidence in the board and for for our fans. All right. Um- Jay, who's at SFC underscore gem says, what do you think the main problems at South are at Southampton? We're getting results, but not anything convincing. I think it's, I, I mentioned this before, but I think it is the, the low confidence in players. You can look and see players maybe at the beginning of the season last year under Perwell and those beginning performances. And now looking at their mentality now. Um, I think it's just that that confidence structure that needs to be brought back into the dressing room. And I think Pellegrino's definitely trying that. Like if you look and see what he's saying, like in press conferences and definitely when he came in, 
he just needs to bring that confidence back. And I think that's the, the main problem with the Southampton camp right now. You can see it sort of in the fans. You can see it in the players sometimes. Like they just seem a little shaky and that, that comes with confidence. St. Paul, who is at always underscore a underscore saint says, what players do you think we need or will get to turn things around with our attacking creativity? And I think we kind of maybe already addressed that, but um, do you think anybody comes in to kind of help out with that? Um, I think Pellegrino might look at the beginning of this season and be like, we do need somebody. And hopefully that happens. Um, I don't know. I I would love to see Buffal get a better mentality and come in and be that creative outlet because he can be that. Um, But if we brought somebody, um, if we brought somebody in, I'm a big fan of uh, Nicolas de Preville for Lille. I've talked about him all summer. I think he's very creative. It could be that person up top that's super creative. Um, And you mentioned Antonio earlier, like he could be a great, um, a great player too for up there to help create. All right. Um, let's see. Dan, who's at Holy Hoiberg, obviously hasn't listened to the first episode that we talked about um, because I think we answered this is what made you become a fan of Southampton. So Dan, I'm going to direct you back to the first episode um, <laughs> with that. And, uh, but he also asked who would beat, who would beat the other in a one V one soccer ball uh, you or Liberty Bellerin. And I, I'm not even sure if, if the way he spelled soccer ball means it's a different sport than what I'm thinking, or <laughs> I didn't know you played one-on-one soccer. I didn't know that was a thing either. So I don't know how you answer this. Um, and I think the connection between you and Liberty Bellerin is that you're both, uh, Atlanta fans, correct? We're, we're both candlers. We're, we're brothers. Oh, um, well, see, I missed that because Liberty Bellerin tells me nothing about, about who he is. <laughs> Yeah, um, like we're we're brothers, and so like we we obviously both play. Growing up, um, I don't know. I feel like since I'm out of shape, he might be able to beat me right now because he's very in shape, um, and he's he's playing for the for the varsity team, and he's he's doing very well. But if it was me on the varsity team versus him on the varsity team, I'd definitely beat him. <laughs> Do you play the same same position, similar positions? Um, when I played, I was a defensive midfielder. And I was, I'm, I'm going to brag on myself for a second, That's but fine. I was, I was so good on the defensive side of midfielder that I got all, I got in the all state team for defense um, instead of, instead of midfield. Right. So I was, I was very good on that defensive side of the ball. Um, but Liberty, um, Liberty Beller and Sam, he, he plays either an outside mid or he plays in, in goal. Um, and he, he is a very good goalie and he's very good at, um, he, he's very good at outside mid as well. All right. All right. Well, Liberty Bell and I apologize for not knowing that you are a Candler. I feel bad now. Um, but thank you, Dan, for those questions. And, um, yeah, so that, that does it for those. Um, uh, I have a couple that I would like to ask you. Yeah. Um, if Emma Watson was a Liverpool fan, would you still want to date her? <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> um I I would. I love Emma Watson. She's a perfect human being, but that would be the one flaw and it would make for some very interesting game day discussions. All right. And uh lastly, we've played Wolves and I think Huddersfield are the Terriers, am I correct in saying that? Yes. All right. So we've played we've played two animals this week. Um if you could build a starting 11 if, if you had to pick one animal to play all 11 positions, maybe what would that be? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, let me think. There's a lot of animals in this world. Um, first one that comes to my mind is just a, um, like a cheetah or a leopard. Like one, one of those, uh, cats I feel like could be pretty good if you trained on that at, at this game. See, I, I think it's difficult because that, that's a lot of pace but uh <laughs> no stamina <laughs> yeah yeah and and probably not super rational decision making that's true i could i could see own goals or you know uh you know rash tackles uh, <laughs> but it'd be it'd be a clop gig and press type of <laughs> yes type of team <laughs> and you wonder like you know if they all just attack the ball and leave the whole of the rest of the pitch exposed i mean who who knows yeah. um yeah i figured figured those were those were good for this week but 
Um, do you have anything else that you like to discuss that I've pretty much exhausted what I, what I had? I, I, I do want to talk. I really do still trust Pellegrino very much. The, what he said after the game really made me feel good. Um, like he was talking to one of the Southampton people that was interviewing him after the match and he asked Pellegrino his, his thoughts and you could tell how frustrated Pellegrino was like standing there trying to talk to the person. Like he, he's very frustrated that we aren't taking those chances and creating. And he said at the end, he said like, we need more. And uh, like, that was, that was good. Like he isn't satisfied with where we are. And so like, I, I feel good about what he's bringing in. Um, I saw, I saw, I did see a tweet yesterday that talked about Pochettino's first three matches. Um, and, and it wasn't very good either. Like there was a loss to Norwich in there. Um, we had to have like a 90th minute penalty to beat West Brom. And then we drew against somebody else very mediocre. And so like, I, I think he, he just, the, the people already jumping on Pellegrino need to calm down a little bit um, and just see what he's able to do. Like August isn't even over yet. I guess just the, his reaction yesterday was it, is a lot better than what it could have been and what it might have been under you know Puel, which is kind of just yeah. everything is is okay. We'll just keep doing this, and you know, if he's saying we need more and we need to do better, then hopefully, uh, and I, yeah, that's probably similar to what he said in the in the locker room at, at halftime. Yeah, uh, and, and the team kind of responded. So, I, yeah, I definitely think he needs time. And I think somebody also pointed out that we're on pace for like you know sixty three points or something like that. At this point, oh, really? so yeah, because uh, maybe maybe we just calm down a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean we haven't we haven't lost yet, so that that's definitely a big positive. Yeah, and, and first first team to take points off of off of Huddersfield, so you know, yep. hey, that, that's that, that that I think that's good. Um, not to say that we don't have a lot to improve on or, or other things we can do, but hopefully, you know, uh, hopefully we do it. And whether or not we we bring people in in the transfer window or we offload some people, and and one of the things that I was kind of wondering about is. Um, you know, us going out of that cup competition so early, we have s- kind of a large squad. Um, I didn't ask you about Jordy Classy, but like guys like that, uh, that's where they were going to get time in in the cups. And now with our squad, you know, him, Hoiberg, where are they going to find you know games, or are they going to be on their way out? I think Classy's on his way out. I I, I think there's no way that he is here on um, September first. I think he's definitely leaving. Um, if I remember hearing correctly, I think Hoiberg was was hurt. I think right. he's been hurt, uh, so I think he's definitely going to get some some game time as the season goes along. Because I mean, Romeo, Lamina, they can't be there every in that spot every single game, and I think he'll definitely come in and help. Like Hoiberg's ceiling is is so high, like he could be so good, and I hope that he's just able to achieve that here. Yeah, yeah, I would like to see him kind of reach those heights, and I think he can play kind of anywhere in that in that midfield uh, yeah. three. He can play defensively or kind of in the center up there. So, uh, kind of where Davis started yesterday. So I think that would be yeah. I think he he is he's going to be around, but I have to kind of agree with you on Classy. I don't think he'll be here, and I don't know why I didn't ask you about him earlier. But anyway, it's because because we forget about him because he doesn't. <laughs> it's like he's already gone. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know that that pretty much does it for me, and I appreciate uh, you coming on the, the show again and. I'm glad that you're you're writing more and more and uh, hopefully we can we can do this again later. Yeah, I'm really excited I got to come back, you know, like coming on these things and just talking with everybody on Twitter, uh, whether that's Southampton people or beyond. Like it's really just helped me in my life, especially like this summer, figure out like the career path that I want to take. So thank you to you and to everybody else listening. And that has been a part of my journey since I came on Twitter. Um, I, pr- I appreciate that. No, yeah. Thank you. No, no problem. Well, thanks, Christian, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, cool. And that does it for episode 34 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'd like to thank you all for joining us, and I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the show and, and taking time out of their day to, to chat with me. So thank you to Christian and Harry. You can follow Harry on Twitter at HarryHSFC. You can follow Christian at underscore Candler. Um, they both write for the Saints Report, so be sure to give them a follow. And the links to all of the writing outlets and all the articles we talked about are in the show notes, as well as the links to a bunch of different podcast platforms that will allow you to subscribe to our feed in iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcast. Uh, do that and make sure that you do not miss an episode. Uh, if you prefer to listen on SoundCloud, we update SoundCloud with uh, the most recent episodes, and all of them also show up on YouTube as a uh, 
uh, videos because that's what YouTube is. So uh, if you'd like to listen there, go ahead and do that. Um, if you do go to YouTube though, you won't actually get a video of anybody's face. It'll just be an image with the sound playing in the background, but um, some people seem to enjoy that. So uh, go for it. And if, you, if you're there, make sure you subscribe to that. Uh, hit thumbs up on the video. That helps too. And um, yeah, if, you, if you're looking for other ways to help, consider writing a review on iTunes. Uh, leave a rating and a review. It really helps other people find out about the show. It really helps us out. So thank you so much for that. But I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you once again for the birthday wishes if you were one of those people who, who reached out and did that. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back next time. We'll be back next week with another episode. And um, until next time, remember that together, we march on. <laughs>